The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, Pels fans, let's talk home security. There's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that's going to cost you a small fortune. Or there's the other way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. I put it together myself in under 30 minutes, you guys, and that's saying something because I am not a handyman. Now, it's a two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Award, so you know it's good. It blankets your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home, outdoor cameras, doorbells alert to anyone approaching your home, entry, motion, glass break sensors, garden side. You get to choose whatever it is you want, and you put it together yourself. Now, go to simplysafe.com slash team today and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Now you've got nothing to lose. Just go now and be sure to use simplysafe.com/team. That's simplysafe.com/team. And of course, team is our promo code, so make sure you do it because you want to get those savings. You are listening to the Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search the Bird Calls and subscribe today. episode of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com, Preston Ellis. Today, I'm talking to Eric Pincus of Basketball Insiders, Sports Business Classroom, Bleacher Report. You got a lot going on, don't you, sir? Uh, trying to keep busy always. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a hustle kind of world, world, and it's a strange world right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the East Coast right now. How are things on the West Coast? Uh, I mean, they're sedate. We, we pretty much had a shelter-in-place order pretty early in the process it seemed to snowball from i was in boston for sloan the mit sloan conference came back went to lakers nets and was talking to people about how we were very close to not having fans at the game to the very next day the gobert thing happened the nba shut down and it seemed like almost the same day or i don't know the exact timeline but seemed like the same day all of california just shut down and so here we are uh, we've been home and uh, going a little stir crazy, but otherwise, you know, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, Governor DeSantis, finally, uh, I was spreading around those memes of the uh, mayor of Amnity and, and Jaws uh, keeping the beaches open. And that's kind of uh, how things are going in Florida right now. But just today, finally, uh, one month mandate for everybody to stay locked indoors. So we have another month ahead of us. My sister lives in Virginia. They're locked down until June 10th. So we, we've yeah. got a lot more of this coming. Eric, what do, you, what do you do to pass the time? Do you have any like television programs you'd recommend? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I'm still writing. Fortunately, I'm kind of lucky uh, that a lot of what I do, the writing is not necessarily game based. Uh, and so I have been able to write still. Uh, I've caught up on a lot of projects uh, uh, in my other life. Uh, I'm a software developer, so I'm working on some software that I'm writing. Uh, and then as far as catching up on shows, I mean, there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot. Uh, I mean, of course we, we had to watch my wife and I had to watch the tiger King cause it's just insanity. Uh, 
Uh, I watched the show called Kidding, which was is a Jim Carrey vehicle, which I found to be actually much better than I expected it to be. Uh, really, which by the second season payoff, I thought it was pretty touching. Uh, but there's just, I mean, there's there's so much on, and uh, I mean, Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu, and you go down the list. There's always something to watch. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to dive into Tiger King. My wife and I just had our, our first baby two weeks ago. So sadly, we haven't been able oh, wow. to really watch anything. But uh, everybody's been uh, so highly complimentary of Tiger King that I guess that's going to be the first thing that we dive into that in Westworld. Um, but yeah. I don't want to take up too much of your time, Eric. So basically, I'm going to run down, um, you know, the former Lakers. And then we're, we brought you here to talk about a Drew Holiday possible extension. But first up, let's talk Brandon Ingram, if you don't mind. Uh, Zach Lowe had him in his top three most improved candidates. Uh, obviously last year with the Lakers, I think he was shooting just about 2.3, three point attempts per game this year. Uh, well over six, I think around 6.6 per game at a remarkable efficiency over 38%. I think it's somewhere, uh, North of 38.8% on the year. Talk about Brandon Ingram's development. Uh, were you surprised at just how good he became, how quickly he became this year with the Pelicans? Oh, I mean, no, not at all. If you, if you watched him with the Lakers last year, there was a point where he had had an injury and he came back from the injury. And over that period of time, there was the whole drama of the Lakers trying to trade for Anthony Davis, uh, Ingram clearly being shopped, and then all the distractions, and then ultimately it, it didn't happen, and then the team fell apart uh, as far as playoff contention. And then eventually Brandon had, had, Brandon had a blood clot and that shut down the rest of the season. But if you look at that stretch from the original return from an injury, I think it was an ankle injury or something, to him shutting it down, he was averaging 19.9 points a game and playing just, I mean, unbelievably focused basketball. And that's when I was impressed because it's very easy when things are going poorly, especially you know, losing faith and trust in, in, in your team because they're trying to trade you. Uh, that he was able to, you know, compartmentalize, and and that's part of this is, you know, kind of go mama mentality on it and just attack and be your best regardless of what's going on around you. And and the the, the facet that was clearly missing from his game was the was the outside shot, and he, and he wasn't a great fit with LeBron because he wasn't comfortable just catching and shooting. LeBron would create some sort of advantage by doing what LeBron does, driving and then kicking to Ingram. And then Ingram would then try to, even though he already had an advantage, would then try to create another advantage, which didn't make sense. It wasn't a great fit, but uh, he's had the opportunity here in, in New Orleans to do whatever, really, when Zion was out, to do whatever and to find his game and, and to be the primary scorer, not play off of someone like he had to play off of LeBron. And he clearly put in the work in the offseason to improve the outside shot. That was the missing element. That's when he was drafted. He was supposed to be the better shooter than Ben Simmons. And he came in and was really a poor shooter for a while from distance. Hesitant, didn't look comfortable, was very accurate. So I'm happy to see him uh, improve in that area. That was the missing part because he's pretty darn close to a complete player. I don't think he's like a high, high-level assist creator at this point. Uh, he's closer to a Kawhi than a LeBron as far as uh, being a primary focus of an offense. He's, he's an incredible scorer. He has to grow in the future years in, in creating more for others. 
Yeah, and I think that's going to be the evolution of his game right now. It's, like you said, creating that shot for himself, uh, finding those mismatches and exploiting them. And then the next generation of his game is going to be, like you said, uh, you know, distributing to others after he creates that set advantage, kind of like LeBron does. But now LeBron kind of has uh, an elite-level finisher in Anthony Davis, so he's kind of evolved uh, as to what he's going to do. He's more of the setup man. Obviously, he's still got his 27 points per game, but just uh, a, a subtle shift in the way that he operates the offense. And that's kind of similar to how Lonzo Ball has uh, evolved in New Orleans and that he kind of struggled in the interim with the Pelicans uh, initially and then right around January got a lot more comfortable and once Zion joined the lineup really unlocked everything that Lonzo Ball does well which is distributing which is getting the ball to you know your guys in the paint where they need to to be successful at the rim and that's that's just it's created symmetry with Zion in that uh, I think it's they're 11 points better per their opposition when the two of them are, are on the court together. But when Lonzo's off the court and Zion's on the court, he's actually three points worse than his opposition. So the two of them just need to be together right now. Talk about Lonzo's relationship on the court with Zion uh, and, and what was missing from that part of his game in Los Angeles. Well, I mean, what was missing in Los Angeles was health. I mean, more than anything, he he played half seasons. He had no off seasons, so because he was hurt basically the entire time. So he he got hurt in the first summer league, and was hurt basically till training camp, and was hurt in and out throughout that season. And then the second year, he was hurt all summer, and was hurt half you know roughly half the season again. This was the closest to an off season. He had about a half of of an off season this year. He didn't even have a full off season leading into the Pelican season, but he had enough to work on a shot uh, to improve some aspects of his game. So he naturally is getting better, but I think he's gotten better at a slower pace than others maybe of his, of his class because of health. That's the, the key right there. If he can stay healthy, he's a very, very unique special player. Uh, he's kind of the opposite of how the league operates at the point uh, these days. Uh, in that he is a hesitant scorer. He's not really focused on creating his own shot at the basket. Uh, he's gaining more confidence in, okay, I have a lane. I'm going to go drive and attack. And he's got athleticism. He can dunk. Uh, he can do things that surprise you. But really the strength of his game is in everything that you need in a glue player and then in a point guard who really wants to share the ball. I mean, it, you have to give him finishers. You have to give him a dominant scorer. And I think where you know, big men have struggled, more traditional big men, and Zion is not a, necessarily a traditional one, but he's closer to it than a lot of the players that we have in the league and that he can really score at the paint and at the basket. Uh, he doesn't have like a maybe a Shaq low post game. But, I mean, to be honest, he, there aren't many players who come in as physically overpowering uh, as Zion. You, we'd have to think really long and hard who else has come in so so powerful compared to someone like Shaq, who was seven feet tall. Zion doesn't have that advantage, but he's really a special player. It, it, the, the challenge for those kind of players is really the, the perimeter players getting them the opportunities, getting them the ball, making sure that they're fed. And so many point guards are creators for themselves and maybe for others. In, in years long gone, it used to be that point guards weren't scorers, that their main job was to facilitate and you would measure them by 8, 9, 10, 12, 15 assists. And if they scored 20, 30 points, then they were probably being too selfish as a point guard. And that's changed, and that's not what the league is anymore. You have guys like Damian Lillard, who's very special, Kyrie Irving, great players, and I'm not criticizing where the league is, but it, Lonzo, in a lot of ways, is a throwback. He doesn't want to score. He has to 
become more of a threat. And I think he has, and you said, you said since January, I think he has become a little bit more comfortable and confident in his own offensive game, but Zion needs to be fed. And you're kind of foolish if you're, if you have, if you're a team and you have Zion and you're not feeding him. And then you of course have Brandon to play off of them as another scorer who can create his own shot. And you have really a nice sort of balance because they're all three very, very, very different players who have great strengths. And then you just have to fill in with complimentary guys, not to mention that you have Drew uh, and you have Favors and you have other good players, JJ when he's healthy. It's really not a bad team at all. I mean, this is, had they been at full strength from the get-go, I mean, this would have easily been a playoff team. Yeah, no, in 230 minutes, uh, this group has the best net rating by far, 26.3, they're starting five. Uh, Oklahoma City's starting five has a better one, but they've only played uh, somewhere around 175 minutes. So if if you qualify 180 minutes or more, this was the best starting five, although a small sample size, I think just 18 or 19 games. Uh, you were talking about complimentary players. Uh, we'll we'll finish up with Josh Hart before we get to Drew Holiday. Uh, he struggled the, the last two weeks of the regular season, but just in terms of uh, his defensive prowess, able to guard positions one through three, and uh, an above average rebounder, I think that's what really surprised all of us, was just not, not just just his determination on the court, but his ability to go up and get rebounds, even when playing position like the small ball four, which Alvin Gentry had him doing uh, quite a bit. He had the highest percentage of defensive rebounding uh, among guards for, for a portion of the season. I want to say it was uh, January uh, and, and the latter part of December. Talk about what Josh Hart is evolving into and what you expect his upside to be. Well, I, Josh, if you if you watched the Lakers when he was with the Lakers and you really paid attention, it was pretty clear early on that he was kind of like what is he six six three or four in that range six something like that I forget how tall he is six five, whatever it is he is basically a small power forward and uh, in this day and age where players need to switch and bigs are you know smalls are guarding bigs uh, on switches Josh is basically a lead at that uh, because he's extremely he's very strong has a very strong base and so you just can't back him down and shoot over him like you think you would and because he's so much shorter teams are just hungry to exploit the mismatch that they don't realize at first isn't a mismatch uh he's a very streaky shooter where you, you'll have a month where he could he can give you like 18 or 16 points or there'll be stretches where he'll give you six points uh and that's kind of the thing and and he wasn't always healthy in, in Los Angeles, but he was a valued role player and uh, they played, a, he got a little bit of time at point, especially in summer league. He's not truly a playmaker, but he has enough that he, he's really someone who can play four positions. Uh, but, you know, there are consistency issues and where he was weak defensively uh, with the Lakers is he was actually not a very good perimeter defender and that guys would get past him very quickly. He, I don't think he has like an, a very quick, lateral movement uh, against explosive guards but on the switches he was elite so it was kind of uh, an area where he needed to grow I haven't watched enough to see if he's improved on that area but if I would assume that's probably still an area he needs to improve upon is is sliding his feet and staying in front of the quicker guards 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, offensively, we've seen him drive to the rim, and he's comfortable taking that three-point shot, but a- absolutely spot on. It's It's been streaky. Uh, he has hot stretches. Really haven't seen him evolve as a dis- distributor yet. He kind of fits that Danny Green mold of, uh, you know, sitting up at the top of the key, getting the shots when they come, or attacking closeouts. But that's that's pretty much the extent of where his game is offensively. But defensively, yeah, small power forward. I love that analogy. Let's get you to, to the crux of this conversation uh, so I can get you out of here in a timely fashion. Uh, you shot me an email last night. I'll just run through it quickly and you can expand on it. Basically, this summer, Drew Holiday is eligible for a four-year extension, uh, chopping off that player option. So he would add this one year plus the additional four years, which those years can come out to as much as $141 million. And that, of course, is uh, if the CBA uh, and the salary cap uh, holds to what your estimates are going to be. Talk about what your estimate is for that salary cap, how it can change or evolve based on you know how the regular season finishes, and, and, and just uh, how you were able to calculate what Drew Holiday can earn. Well, I'm, we're in an area of huge uncertainty at this point. There really isn't enough information to uh, know anything at this point. Uh, the The basic rule of thumb is is that uh, a player like Drew is eligible for an extension at a twenty percent bump. So, uh, if you were to take his salary next year, which is twenty six point two million, and just bump it up to one point two, uh, he would be eligible for thirty one point five roughly for 21 22 and since he has a player option for 27 million you would think it would make sense that he would in in taking an extension opt out and start at 31.4 you know we're of course assuming the pelicans would pay that they may have no interest or they have, may have interest in a lower extension but we're talking about uh the the max case uh so he could opt in and take a three-year extension but it would start obviously he would still have that 27 million and he can make 31, so he would opt out. That's where that number comes from. And, and then it's 8% raises each year. The key number, though, is that first year. It's that 31.5. And the cap has to be high enough in 2021 uh, for him to be uh, under the max. Because his extension, you can give him an extension now or at any point through uh, the end of next year. And let's say he takes that extension they can agree to a certain number, but it's going to be reduced once the cap comes in, if the cap is a lot lower. And and, and that's where we're in an area where we're just waiting to see what happens. Our, our, I think it's safe to say that games with fans are probably not going to happen. Uh, the league has not canceled any regular season games yet. If they do, there's a mechanism to get money back from players. There's some talk I saw in, uh, ESPN article from Adrian Wojnarowski where he was talking about how there may be uh, 25% uh, deducted from players' checks, and that might be more than the the, the actual 10%. There's an na- inherent 10% deduction in everyone's checks across the board anyway. That's just standard practice. So if you make $10 million in a season, you only get paid $9 million. That extra million is put into escrow, and at the end of the year, the NBA balances its books, goes over with the union. Everyone agrees on where the numbers are. And the players get, and I'll just simplify, they get 50-50. Uh, that's not the exact number, but it's close to 50-50 uh, of the income. And uh, if the players got more of that, because you're looking at the season after, the season is finished, they look at all the money that came in, all the money that went to the players, and if it doesn't match up, if the players got paid too little, they get all of that escrow back, that 10% back. If they got paid too much, the league will keep some of it or all of it. But now we're looking at maybe revenues dropping so much that the players are going to be 
overpaid a lot. And that would in turn lower the salary cap for the following year. And depending on how they do it, it could either lower the salary cap for 2021-22, or it could raise the salary cap for 21-22. Like there's, I can make an argument that it'll go up by a lot, and I can make an argument that it'll go down by a lot. It just depends on how they approach it. Uh, the good news is the league and the union are talking and negotiating and working together to try to solve this. I can be optimistic right now. If the NBA's demands don't match what the players want, it could lead to complications. And if they are complications, then they can't reach agreement. Then they'll just have to cancel games and take money based on the rules from the players. So ultimately the players have to give back half of what's lost. And if the league lost 800 million or 1.2 billion or whatever it ends up being, the players aren't hooked for half of that, no matter how you slice it. At some point it's going to hit the players wallets. So that would impact Drew Holiday down the road if the cap is lower and maybe uh, the market has constricted and maybe $31.5 million is too much, uh, way more than the Pelicans are going to be able to pay because the entire league is sort of constricted. Or maybe things are artificially fixed or maybe they find something very creative to solve this and we can go back to business as usual. And, uh, you know, look, the Pelicans would like nothing more than for Drew Holiday to be, to be worth that money because it, it, it would clearly mean that He's had a great season and the team had a great year. If if they're willing to, at some point, be it now or before the end of next season, give him a massive extension like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're all wondering uh, right now. We were hoping to be able to finish the season and hopefully they still will be able to in some capacity. I know something we've talked about is a, a four-team tournament with the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, Sacramento Kings, uh, the Pelicans, and I'm uh, and the Portland Trailblazers to see who can because pretty much every other spot is is about locked up. Uh, now there could be some fights for specific seedings, but just in terms of getting into the playoffs, that's the one position right now that there's a free for all for. Um, so we're hoping that some I don't know uh, possibility of that can exist because nobody wants complications. Uh, back to Drew Holiday and just in terms of his earnings based on the season ending today, let's say, and we roll into the off season and the Pelicans have to make this said decision. I think, like you said, uh, it makes all the sense in the world for him to opt out and uh, to to get his money now. He's had uh, his two best seasons to date. The last two seasons, uh, all defensive first and second team finishes. Uh, he's played more than anybody else. He's in the top 15 in total minutes played and averaged over the last three and four seasons. Uh, so it's it's time. It's time, frankly, for him to get paid. He's in a good position to get paid. Uh, his agent, Jason Glushon, I hope I pronounced that right, uh, just negotiated uh, overwhelming contracts for Al Horford, four years, 110 million. Jalen Brown, four years, 115 million. Obviously, he's played up to that contract. But just last summer, uh, a lot of people uh, thought that Jalen Brown might have gotten a little bit more than he was worth at the time of course that's been disproven so based on what drew holiday's done uh 19 points uh seven assists five rebounds one of five players in the nba to do that in addition to his elite level defense how much is a player at age 29 worth to you uh right now as as a general manager eric i mean it's it's always contextual and i think that's that's important to understand uh if the pelicans go too deep into tax then they struggle because it, it limits what your flexibility is, but they don't have a lot invested in, in JJ and Zion and Lonzo. They're all good contracts. JJ is the most expensive at 13 million, but Brandon is, is eligible for an extension and he's going to want not even an extension a, a brand new contract. Uh, as of uh, the summer, he'll be a restricted free agent. How much you're paying him is, is significant. If you're paying him, 25 million or 20 million in that range, which I'm, I'm sure that he wants to start at 
above 20 million. And, and again, we don't know how badly the market constricts, but the, the existing projection before all of this was 115 million. So Brandon was eligible for decent sized money. I, I have to run that, but uh, I have that here. If you're paying him, let's say, oh, what would it be? It would be uh, $29 million roughly, right? And you're paying Drew for this coming season, uh, 26. Now you've got over $50 million, 55 really, uh, invested in just two players, and we don't know what the cap is going to be exactly. So even if you trim off a few million dollars off of, of Brandon, even if it's $5 million, it's still $50 million in just those two guys. And then you have like the other 30-plus in the other three. So you're, you've got so much money in those five players, and then you have to talk about bringing back favors. Uh, who else do you add to, to flesh out this roster and, and, and make it deeper and make it better each year? So if you overinvest in Drew, it could take away from your options somewhere else. And they're, because they don't have to decide on anything, I'm not entirely sold you rush into an extension, but you keep that conversation alive. And uh, 30-plus $30 million dollars right now seems too much because – of the uncertainty, right? We just don't have the information. So to really gauge what he's worth, I have to know where the market is going and, and how challenging it will be for this team to field a, a full roster that's capable of really winning because you just don't want to overinvest in, in one player when you, if you want to bring back favors, who's been very valuable and very helpful. Uh, if you want to think about Lonzo, who needs to be paid in 2021, now that's a whole nother problem, right? Not even a problem, but it's another issue. Josh Hart needs to be paid that year. Now suddenly for 2021, you've got massive money to, to, to Ingram, to Lonzo. Uh, you're, you're maybe, maybe JJ's moved on, but you need to replace him and his productivity. So there's so many factors to consider. Uh, you don't want to overinvest in something right now just because it shows promise. This team wants to be elite, and it, it, right now they're not elite. But they're as we as you went over with the their starting five. There's some potential there that they could be an elite team, and they certainly have a superstar, and and they have an all star, and they have, you know, I'm, I'm putting a lot on Zion, hoping he stays healthy and continues to grow. But calling him a superstar as a rookie, I don't know, but I think it's very possible. Uh, and then you've got really good role players and Lonzo and other guys. So it's too early to give an exact example because. Things are so in flux, but uh, I think Drew is definitely worth keeping, is definitely worth paying. But guards, especially point guards, by 32, they start to wind down. Uh, their athleticism drops, and, and it's, it's a hard position to slow down at. Some, some are able to do it because they're just so smart uh, and so crafty. But by and large, a lot of point guards struggle past 32. So you just got to be mindful of that uh, when it comes to paying Drew Holiday long term. All right, we'll get you out on this one. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, obviously, like you said, uh, Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart become extension eligible. They're you know in talks, or they will be in talks, we should think, with Drew Holiday, with Derek Favors to extend. Do you think um, it, it makes sense or, or should be uh, an option right now for the Pelicans to short, uh, sort of think ahead and, and get those numbers down by potentially extending Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball this summer versus next summer where they could play themselves into substantially more money. Would you, would you wait and let them earn it? 
or would you enter those negotiations now and try to save a little bit? Well, it, it's always a sort of a dance of, you know, we, we'll lock you in, you get guaranteed money, uh, but it's a little bit less if you do it early. Uh, and then there's the certain amount of pride where someone might think they have the ability to really max themselves out by hitting free agency and, and bet on themselves, but then maybe it doesn't work out. And we've seen that happen many, many times through the years where a player turns down very nice money because they're banking on themselves in that final year and, and the opportunity to, even if it's in restricted free agency, the problem is restricted free agency is very difficult. Uh, I would say the good news for Lonzo and, and to a degree, Josh, is that it looks like a lot of teams will have money in 2021. Uh, I think a lot of teams are saving money for Giannis, uh, just that the just to be at the table with Giannis, uh, it, who will be potentially a free agent. He might sign an extension this summer, but if he doesn't, uh, that would be a sign that maybe he's going to leave. And if he's going to leave, then a lot of teams are going to save money just in case. And only one team will get him. But what happens to all that money with the other teams? They have to spend on free agents. Typically, they go to unrestricted free agents first, uh, but there's always that that dance and, and you know, sort of a complicated restricted free agent process where uh, sometimes the money's gone and it's going to go to unrestricted free agents first. Sometimes there's extra money and an opportunity will come up. I personally, if I'm an agent, by and large, I want my player locked in to a contract and I want to be able to get that for them so that I'm getting them a good deal that isn't the most, doesn't have to be max, but a very good deal. And that one that the team can live with and one that the player can live off of uh, if they never get a chance to play beyond that contract because injuries are part of life. So uh, I don't know the number, but um, I mean, Lonzo right now is probably worth in the neighborhood of probably 16 to 18. That's kind of what like a starting point guard is worth, but you know, he has limitations and that's assuming that he's a high level starter. Uh, and then a player probably by and large, a high level player is almost always asking for over 20. Uh, so really that's kind of the range. And maybe the team is, you know, if they can get him for 15, 16, 17, that's a good deal. And if they can get him for 18, 19, 20, it pushes on the border of a good deal, but uh, it, it all, it all, depends on health and how players mesh together and how dedicated Lonzo is to improving because what he is today isn't necessarily worth that money, but what he can be is definitely worth that money if he really becomes that. Yeah. And there's also that, um, that awkwardness of being the number two overall pick that comes with higher expectation uh, of being paid. Let's say he was drafted 15th. He might be willing to take a little bit more than when you come in with that level of expectation. Uh, I won't take up any more of your time. Thank you so much. Uh, and for all of you listening, uh, you can check out this article tomorrow on the birdrights.com uh, featuring some of Eric's words. If you like what you're hearing, just retweet, uh, share us, rate us on iTunes, on iTunes. And if you already have just steal somebody else's phone and <laughs> use that one, uh, Eric, any, Anything you want to drop to our listeners? Obviously, we mentioned Basketball Insiders. Uh, you're continuing to write for both they and Bleacher Report. Is there anything in particular you want people to click on? Well, uh, you could always follow me on Twitter at Eric Pincus, E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. Uh, I like to respond as much as I can uh, to replies and whatnot. Uh, I do have an article up uh, where I just took some time to compare this LeBron James team with Anthony Davis to potentially, you know, assuming the season is finished. If they were to win a title, where do they stack up uh, compared to players like, or rather eras like the Shaq Kobe era, 
or the Shaq Powell era. It's just a fun article. So uh, you could also find my work at Basketball Insiders uh, where I write about and mostly uh, summarize each team's salary uh, cap page and break down all their player salaries, all their details uh, at Basketball Insiders. And I have a Hollywood Hoop Hollywood Hoops podcast, which runs every Tuesday. We record every Tuesday. Usually it gets posted late that night or on Wednesday. So that's about it, though. And other than that, staying home and trying to enjoy life. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> As he runs down like 14 different things that you're working on, in addition <laughs> to being a software engineer. Uh, so thank you so much for your time. We know how valuable it is. Uh, before we let you go, uh, you think the Lakers will win it all if and when the season does continue? I, I think there are three teams that are atop the pile, and that's the Clippers, Lakers, and Bucks. And we could definitely discuss the Raptors and some of these Celtics and some of these other teams, even the Sixers. And the Rockets are certainly a fun, interesting team. But I really think it comes down to those three teams. So I have the Bucks in the finals, and I have the winner of Lakers, Clippers. I think the Lakers are better in some areas than the Clippers, and the Clippers are better in some areas than the Lakers. Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. I'll just go with the legacy. The Lakers have, have proven that they could do it. LeBron has proven that he could do it. Uh, Kawhi has proven that he could do it. I don't know if the rest of the Clippers have. So I'd, I'd probably today, based on what we just last saw, the Lakers versus Clippers, the last game that they played, I'd probably put the Lakers up slightly uh, because the Clippers have just not had that continuity. But now no one has continuity <laughs> once the season starts, right? Because no one's going to be playing for two, three months. So that's a good question. What happens now, now that we get back from break? Maybe that favors the Clippers. and Maybe all that extra time for uh, Paul George and, and Kawhi to get healthy, maybe that's all they needed. So it, it's a, it's a definitely a, a coin flip into who's better at this point between those two LA teams. Well, I hope it's a question we get to answer very soon. Thank you again for your time, sir. Thank you all for listening. Let's dance. Let's go, pals. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today